It's another huge episode of Swing Thoughts, this country's finest golf podcast hosted by me and Tim. That's my new claim to fame. Me and Tim. Me and Tim. All right, guys. What? Hey, wow, who's who's got the best golf podcast in Canada? Me and Tim do. I mean, the one hosted by you guys. That's it. That's yeah. the one. A lot of people want to host a golf podcast, but they can't now that we're doing it. But we're so. But we're now a brand. Now it's like me and Tim. Well, this is episode 15 of Swing Thoughts. I'm Humble Howard. uh, Tim Tim O'Connor from uh, O'ConnorGolf.ca and the mental performance performance coach at uh, Glen Abbey. And he's a wonderful uh, golf writer. You may have read a bunch of his stuff. He's written books, and you should read them. This is this is the literate version of Swing Thoughts. Like I think we're eliminating articles in our speech. We're just going straight verb-like. So a lot of people have been asking us, hey, this is the greatest podcast I've ever heard. Is it sponsored? And as a matter of fact, it is. Taylor made Adidas. And, of course, the number one driver in golf uh, made by TaylorMade. It's funny. I was in a four-ball, as they say in England, which always sounds weird to me. Oh, he's got a four ball. Really, does he? We should probably have that looked at. Um, I like foursomes. I was in a foursome the other day, and everyone, it was when we almost took a picture of it and <laughs> sent it to Stu Bannantine, because all of us had M1s. Everyone had the M1, and it was almost like, I don't know, I've, has that happened to you where you've been in a group where everyone's got the tailor-made drivers? It's statistically probable. Yeah, but no, I don't think that I ever have. Or, or at least it didn't occur to me, but sometimes I'm not the most observant. Hey, I'm going to tell you, the M1 is like a revolution in in terms of distance. It, there's nothing like it. But I got, to, I got to try. When you were doing your fitting, did you try out some different three woods and hybrids and stuff? I did. Okay, so the hybrid's ridiculous. It goes forever. But the three wood, they have two of them. One is, they're both M1s, and I'm not sure exactly about what I'm going to say in terms of the technical thing, but one is sort of a higher launch, one's a lower launch, lower spin. And I was trying out the lower spin one that has the hotter face, according to Stu Banatine. And dude, it was too much. It was, it was, I was hitting it almost as long as my driver. And we were sort of discussing about, you know, you gap in your set. You want some, dis, you know, some gap in your... Well, there would be no gap between my driver and this thing. Like, honestly, Timmy, I was laughing. Because it was... Yeah, well, you just turned into Hendrick Stenson. Exactly. Well, you know what? I was thinking, you know, why would... What would you want this for? Because then you wouldn't need a driver. It was it was one of those things where it came off the club face. You know how Jason Day is laughing his head off in the TaylorMade commercial? Yeah, yeah. Where he's like, oh, my God, I can't believe he's hitting like a 3 iron 280. I was having the same reaction. Every time I would, I'd hit it, I was like, what? What was that? And uh, we ended up getting the other one because, as Stuart said, you know, if... That's not the, you know, it's the kind of thing you would basically, you would replace it as a a driving thing. You wouldn't use that hitting into a a par five because it would be tough to stop it. Yeah, exactly. But dude, it was cool. But I could see, I could see that someone, you wouldn't need a driver really, would you? Well. If you can work it, especially three woods. And I was hitting it conservatively. I was hitting it. I I don't throw a number. I was getting, it was going out there like 265, 270. It was asinine. Uh, anyway, they really are makers of some great clubs, and not just because they're our sponsors. We both—I I was using the M1 before they were a sponsor. Well, if four drivers show up in a foursome, I think that makes its own statement. 
Um, Tim's been uh, busy on the range in southern Ontario. We've been having horrific uh, springtime weather. One of the things you mentioned just before we got started, you've been standing next to people hitting balls, freezing. Oh, God. I was at uh, a course near Hamilton the other day, and I had on five layers. I had on a wind jacket and also a leather jacket fully zipped up. But this young man, this one of my clients, he had a tournament the next day, and uh, we had to meet. Mm. It was really good, but it was amazing how freaking cold it was. It, and he uh, wanted to work, and I wanted to work, and it, it worked out to be a really good session. I was going to say, in Canada, it doesn't matter how cold it is. I don't think there's a day in golf where there's not that guy, the shorts guy. Yeah. Shorts guy was out again <laughs> on Wednesday. Yeah, I know. The guy's like 12 degrees, but sunny. It was a pleasant Wednesday afternoon for our opening uh, men's night at Glencairn, the club I play at, Club Link Club. And, you know, but I've got like long pants on. I got a long sleeve undershirt, golf shirt, and a jacket. Jacket. Yep. And shorts guys running around with his stupid white guy legs. And uh, all I could do is go, really, guy? And there were several of them. I don't know. Is that a young man's game wearing shorts in April? No. Gosh, there's a no. There's a shorts guy at my at my club, too. It doesn't matter if, like, okay, last Saturday we teed off. Two degrees. So that's... And shorts guy showed up? Yeah. And so you add in the wind. Oh, yeah. It was probably minus three or four or something like that. Shorts guy's out there. And uh, how's it going? Hey, great. It feels great. Yeah, and me, I'm like, I got the toque going. I got and his, uh, his, knees are, his knees are pink. <laughs> um, it's funny, the uh, four... And one, one day, I think it was Monday or Tuesday here in Southern Ontario, was, uh, I looked at my phone. It says six degrees, feels like two. And I said to myself, feels like you're not trying, Spring. Okay, Spring. Oh, How about yeah, it feels yeah. like you try harder? How come it's six feels like two? I suppose, why is it never like six feels like 20? Anyway, welcome, everyone. Uh, Tim's ready to, uh, to do the show. Our guest today is a, a young gentleman who has developed a leading-edge mental performance technology from a company called birdiegolf.com. We're going to speak to Jay Gilbert in a second uh, about this amazing kind of a, a, a finally a way to gauge your sort of mental par your mental how you feel about yourself that has nothing to do with the golf score tim talks about it i do all our guests sort of basically trying would you say timmy that it's sort of our raison d'etre the reason to be involved in this show is to find a way for people to score themselves based on something that has nothing to do with four five or six on a hole right Absolutely. Yeah. So you can start to really go through a round and experience and go, what did I learn about myself today? What was really going on? What, what did I do to prepare? What, what, what did I do during? And particularly, what did I feel afterwards? And I really think that's the way you can really learn more about yourself than score. If everything's based on score, well, most of the time we're going to come out of that feeling, oh man, didn't you know that was below expectations didn't really and you don't really learn anything so what i love about this technology is it's a way to really track over time how how we did we'll certainly get into it with jay but i was attracted to it because it's online it's easy to track it's it's not like making notes in a in a notebook and just over time you just build up this data about yourself and see your behavior patterns so um and so it's yeah, and I was going really to take off on. a unique way to gauge if you're making progress. Yep. Excuse me. In an area where you do have control 
Because uh, as we've said in, in, you know, any book you've ever read about the mental side, you know, basically the basics are this. Once the ball leaves, you, you, you're, you have to let it go. You have to say, okay, that's, I have no more control over this, no matter how good a swing I made or whatever. But in this particular case, with Birdie Golf, that's B-I-I-R-D-I-E golf.com, you'll find a way to enjoy the game more while keeping track of something you can influence. And it's going to be part of a conversation that Tim and I had about some stuff that we're working on in a new feature I call Mental Coach's Corner. Hello, friends, and welcome to Mental Coach's Corner. I'm with mental performance coach Tim O'Connor. I'm Howard Glassman. My handicap's 1.9. I would like to be a scratch golfer someday. Mental coach Tim O'Connor, can you help me? And we'll get to that later on in the show. I was waiting for... Beauty! For what? And my dog blew, but it's Stan, and you just... You did your... Oh, that whole thing. Yeah, I, that's where I thought we were going. No, uh, I thought I was going to give you the, the Hockey Night in Canada theme. Yeah. I could do that. Not the, necessarily a the theme, but the Coach's Corner theme. Sure. But I don't have enough puns. I can't be... Oh, I have to be the coach guy. Oh, you and... Oh, I get it. I get it. Are you good with puns? It's really not that complicated. We're just calling it Mental Coach's Corner. Okay. Just enjoy. All right. Where's Hockey Night in Canada theme? Oh, there it is. Um. Anyway... I and I have and I don't have a loud coat on or anything. Okay. I have black turtleneck because it's cold. I like the uh, I like the uh, I like the Masters theme better, but we'll see. Anyway, today we're going to talk about um, some of the stuff we've been working on, and uh, I'm going to bring up something that I've not told. You know, mental performance coach Tim. You haven't shared it. I thought uh, I haven't it. told you about uh, a recent round, and 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 I think it's a great piece, as you like to say. And we're going to call this piece when to know. Um, if it's if how to recognize a mental mistake and uh, recognizing it is I think part of the I part of the way to the path to moving on from it and uh, I'll explain that when we uh, get a chance to talk later Uh, Jay Gilbert in a second first by the way one of the very first shows we ever posted on our iTunes uh, swing thoughts just look for it as a podcast on iTunes was uh, the very first show we posted was with Lauren Rubenstein. Great. It was, and we had done others before that, but that was the first one. We said, okay, we're proud of this. We'll, we'll put it up. And through some quirk in the way it's coded, the HTML, uh, I had a couple people say, hey, I've been looking for that podcast. I can't find it. And so I, what, had, what, had, what had happened is I had some people go through the shows and take the uh, dirty words out. And when they, re- <laughs> when they put Early them back days. in to make it a uh, not explicit the, some of the stuff coding got wrong and the wrong shows there. Mm. So we're going to take care of it this weekend. So what I'm going to do is when we post this show, I'm going to send a notice out as well that the Lauren Rubenstein show is back where it's supposed to be. Okay. Because that was one of my favorites because it's all about Tiger. And I think most people will find it interesting. Speaking of Tiger Woods, let's uh, start here. Did you all read the ESPN article? I got through most of it. I know. It's like a day long. It's a long. The sec- what's it called? The Secret Life of Tiger Woods. I know. I thought, you know, this is really compelling. I need to read this, but I have a life. Exactly. I need to eat. I started reading and I thought, <laughs> I don't know. I, I th- I'm, will I see my children again? It's a long article. Jay Gilbert, did you read it? I didn't see it. Yeah, it's cool. Jay Gilbert's here from birdiegolf.com. Very nice. Um, but it basically, it's all about, I read a lot of it in Haney's book. 
But it's all that stuff about Tiger and the SEAL training and, and, and him, the loss of his father and how it affected his outlook. And the saddest thing I, I felt reading it is because of all those circumstances, it changed the course of Tiger Woods as a golfer. It did. You can't, can't deny it. His father's death, he spirals out of control. And I think what we've lost is him caring about golf through those, those years where he didn't care about it anymore. Did you read the Haney book, Jay? Hank Haney's Which, book on Tiger? The Big Miss. Oh, The, the Big, Big Miss. Miss. I haven't read The Big Miss, no. Well, it's all I've read other that. books. I'm told, people tell me I, I'm supposed to read it, but I used to work with Nike, and when that book came out, everyone anywhere associated with Swoosh was majorly indignant that the uh, Mr. Haney would violate the uh, the client-coach privilege. Hmm. And so, but I, everyone tells me I need to read it. So now that I'm free of my swoosh obligations, meaning they don't pay me anymore, uh, <laughs> that's right. I can read that book. But you, you should. It's interesting. Yeah, yeah, everyone tells me that. And, and that article, the ESPN article that came out last week, a lot of golfers will want to get through it just because it's interesting. It's a, a look into the the type of guy that Tiger Woods was. The most, the biggest revelation for me also is, you know, Jay, you probably have heard this. That Tiger Woods is the worst interview in sport. Like a horrible post-round interview. And the reason it turns out to be is just this shy, nerdy guy. He wanted no part of that spotlight. It was just thrust on him because he became this most marketable athlete on the planet. And that's, that's something I didn't realize or didn't know prior, that he was horribly, you know, uncomfortable in the spotlight. Introverted even? Very much so. That's I, why I loved, yeah. loved uh, video games and reading about... Um, uh, science and physicists and just physics and just very interesting. Well, that's why people who really tighten his circle called him Eldrick mm-hmm. because he was rather rather super nerdy. nerd. Yeah, and also really interesting how it works in um, journalism history. We think we know. We jump to conclusions. We have all these. Um, judgments we make about people and then years and years later you find out what's really going on like equally fascinating to me was the greg norman piece in uh the mm-hmm. master's issue of golf digest and how came out that he was mucking around with his grip for god's sakes um during the tournament neutral a little stronger that kind of thing during the 96 masters yeah and also he had some major personal issue going on um that was really dominating his thoughts and you know i covered that masters i was at that masters covering it and um you don't know he didn't talk about it obviously but years and years later we start to hear these little things and and again so connecting with the tiger piece um you know things come out over time you know of what really goes on i think you make a great point at the beginning of that sentence when you talk about as journalists or people in the media are a lot of our perceptions are made because of what we've read written by other people not firsthand we'd never make those perceptions about someone we just met just like we did our founder of birdiegolf.com b-i-i-r-d-i-e golf.com jay gilbert was recently featured uh, on Golf Digest Sticks, it's called. Is that not right? That's right. And it's an online version of Golf Digest. You guys were talking about it. Explain what that is. We were just talking about it. It's a weekly e-magazine that they distribute. And strangely enough, uh, super hot golfer Paige Spiranek. Is that her name? Smokehouse? Spiranek? Spiranek, super yeah. smoke show. Smoke show. Good, good golf swing, too, by the way. 
I mean, I've spent some time studying her. I know, I know her very good posture. <laughs> she really does a great job of making sure her butt's out. I mean, the, the shots I've seen. Anyway. Knee bend. It's all about knee bend. It's all about knee bend and her very good knee bend. But you're on the same issue. BertieGolf.com is golf's first mental game analytics platform. Let's help you figure out what are the things that you're doing, the behaviors that are influencing the outcomes that you're hoping to get but to what you were saying earlier is their behaviors are what we can control and so we want to start measuring that and helping golfers with figuring out their process and also their emotions and some actually health and nutrition stuff too and and it's a way i mean we've all seen online you know met matrix metrics where you can keep track of you know your distance like uh, what's his face uh brody stuff you know shots strokes gained this is kind of like mental strokes gained. It is. Yeah, absolutely. It's a way for you to benchmark. Uh, and, and I think it's, it's key, too, is that this is a very personal product. So you can benchmark against yourself how you've done on the things that you can control. And so what are some of the, the hallmarks of your platform? It, you know, and we'll, we'll get into it in detail. But just overview, you're basically giving people a chance to, to see on any given day how they felt about the round, how they felt about their process, how they felt about... Just, just explain that. Yeah, to I mean, the way it's used is you golf. We actually don't use our product on the course. Once you're done, you fill out your round review, which are is the mental game self-evaluation that we've put together. And once you've done your round review, your data goes to the sky, comes back to your computer and syncs with the platform. And your data is there in your profile and it adds to all the previous data that you've had. So you can start looking for those visual trends in the charts that we show you. And I guess in the end, it gives you a, a chance to look back at a round of golf and then a season of play to really sort of see, you know, hey, maybe it wasn't so bad that day. Or maybe that day, you know, there were circumstances that led me to have a poor score. And, and you sort of get a chance, I mean, just seeing some of the things I'm looking at now, to sort of set back or step back. And, and give a, a real uh, sort of a calculated view of the day versus I just played like crap and I didn't score well and all those things that, you know, are, are again, as we say, you know, sometimes beyond your control. Well, I, what I like about it, uh, there are a lot of things I like about it, but um, over time, now I'm just experiencing it now with, as a coach with some of my clients are starting to do it and I'm starting to do it for when I play. But one of the things I'm really interested to see and I want to get your feedback on this is that I think over time there'll be certain themes and elements that'll jump out and those things will be things that I can use in a positive way things that I went oh that's not so great I want it and I raise my awareness about it because I've found I've kept uh, over like gosh since 1993 I think I've got this I've got this little notebook that has notes on all the lessons and things and there's a lot of common elements but it's hard to see because it's spread over pages. You're flipping pages through the pages, pages and, exactly. and you can't see it. Yeah. So that's why I think that your product, for a whole bunch of different reasons, I think has a ton of advantages. Yeah. And I'll, I'll pick up right on that point is not only checking back to rounds that you've had before, whether it's this season or last, but actually discerning between a tournament round yes. and a practice round mm-hmm. or a session on the range. I'll just pick one metric. We don't have to dig in t- too quickly, but let's say visualization. Are you gripping and ripping it on the range, just banging balls, or are you seeing your ball flight, picking a target, and watching it fly through the air to any of the number of flags on the range? 
if you're not doing that, then you're really not putting yourself in a situation like you are in when you're on the course, regardless mm-hmm. of a playing round with friends or a playing round in a tournament. So part of the data that we collect, I mean, the first question is what type of outing was it to figure out what were you doing that day? And then as the data comes in, it's basically segmented because against what kind of round it was. So you can look for differences in, for example, visualization between the range and the course. Mm-hmm. So it kind of works to me like, kind of, uh, you can help me with this analogy, but a mental scorecard of things like, what was I, you know, what's my visualization like on the range versus on the course? Because I would think that a lot of golfers, I mean, you'd have to be pretty uh, anal, would that be the word? But man, really drilling down on this stuff to be keeping score after a round about how well you visualized, how many bottles of water you drank, all that kind of stuff. Whereas I see that that's a huge advantage over your product. It's, yeah, I mean, we are, we very carefully picked out the questions that are being asked to, uh, to get you to answer and and get us data that's going to really help you see the, the potential relationships between your behaviors and the outcomes. Mm -hmm. Well, but Tim makes another good point too. You, you, if you're thinking back without being prompted by these questions on the way home, it's the idea, I think I was trying to get at it too, which is you got to be able to separate you know, first of all, what a bad round is or what, what a bad experience is versus, uh, you know, and, and a lot of times you're, you're thinking about, you're looking in the wrong places. If you're not thinking, you know, listen, I'll give you an example. On Wednesday, I'm warming up and I'm looking at, you know, some of, we'll, we'll get into some of these questions in a second, but I'm warming up on Wednesday and I had a lot of stuff to do that day and I was really looking forward to playing and I was, you know, very busy at home and a lot of work stuff and I got to the range, I had fun, but I could tell. Because I'm pretty into, I'm pretty sensitive about my own golf body and how I feel about things. I said to myself, you know, I can just tell I was tired. We're teeing off in 20 minutes. I had kind of a weak practice session, not great around the greens. Even my full swing was a little bit off. And I could just say, I said to, I actually said to myself, okay, I'm just a little tired today. I could just feel it. And, and with good reason. And so my expectation for the day was it based on how I felt at that moment? I really checked in on, I'm about to play golf. Now, how do you feel about, you know, this so far? And then I just didn't, um, I didn't question it. I went, okay, well, this is how you feel now. So when you're out there, remember, this is how you felt. It's not, so it's no surprise if you don't have whatever, play great or not. But I was, I was intuitive to that. And in your metrics, I always think it's a metrics or matrix. Metrics. It's metrics. Metrics. I like saying matrix. Just so you like that movie? Yeah, it did very much. Um, my point is that this gives you that data. You, you're going you're gonna to be thinking that way before you play your round, and you'll conduct your day accordingly. You will. And I guess the question I have for you is, do you think that on a day where you've already self-identified that you're kind of tired starting it out, that you might also have less patience for your performance? Well, that would be and, something and that you'd to be, be more irritable. Well, in, in, in my particular case, I, I don't, I was just noting it. And then in my, my thought process is, okay, don't, you know, I'm going to club up a little bit. I'm going to maybe take a little bit less aggressive target line. I'm going to be a little bit more mindful that I'm just tired, man. Yeah. And what we do is basically help you figure out when one thing is potentially going to slip, what are the, what, you know, what, what are the other side effects of that, that you can control so that 
you can focus on the right parts of your process that day. Well, exactly. And I mean, you know, through my own research and working with people like Paul Doolin and Tim O'Connor, you know, like I I knew going to the first tee, I knew I was going to have a great day. I was playing with three of my favorite people to play with. I knew it was going to be a great day. I just was noting that it's going to be fun regardless. It was going to be a fun, great day. And regardless of score, but I could just tell you, I'd been up since 430. Now it's 230. We're about to tee off. And it was nowhere near warm enough for how old I am. And uh, <laughs> but I just kept that in the back of my head, like you know, okay, just just again, I could just tell. I've had a th- I was a lot of golf balls, Jay. So I knew even mm-hmm. just hitting pitch shots. I'm like, ah, eh, could just feel it. I could feel it in in the first ten or twelve swings. So yes, for people who get extremely angry, they may they forget that they rushed to the course and they didn't have time to eat. They're not hydrated. So our uh, so birdie duck birdiegolf.com will give you some of those things some of the things to be thinking about to recognize that every day isn't going to be the same exactly once you've done a couple of round reviews and you see the questions your awareness changes because you know you're evaluating yourself on these metrics mm-hmm. well let's look about that so they're, they're under the categories about the outing weather playing conditions focus and goals process questions and emotions questions so let's start what are some of the things here? Like, this is a cool little guide I've got in front of me, Timmy. Yeah, very So, nice. uh, Jay, maybe you'll tell us. So, in, in the what about in the about the outing uh, review, yeah. let's start talking about some of the things that come up. So, this, this quick section helps us understand a bit about your day. Why, what were you doing? Was it a tournament? Was it a practice session? And it, it helps us basically understand how in the analytics later on mm-hmm. we can filter the rest of your answers from this round review. So, like I said earlier, if you're doing a practice session, it will actually end up dynamically showing you certain questions that we don't ask for a tournament round because okay. there are different questions. So if I'm looking at the app here, at birdie dot, uh, birdie, uh, birdie.com, that's what I'm looking at, is where the a- analytics yeah, are. Yeah, the product's on Birdie, and our website's Birdie Golf, and our company's Birdie Golf. Excellent. So on, on, on the actual website, though, it says practice round. Under practice round, what are some of the things that will prompt me? Like, what would I enter under, um, like, did you, how do I, where do I enter? Did you do your focus attention training? So you've got basically a, a, think of it like a questionnaire or almost even like a survey. Okay. You answer the first question, what kind of outing was it? And then it shows you all of the questions that you need to answer that are specific to the kind of outing that you've had. So you don't need to navigate. It literally shows you right in front of your face. It auto advances. If you're on your phone or your iPad, you just tap whatever, you know, whatever response you want to select and, and it keeps going for you. And really it takes less, you know, less than 10 minutes by the end of it. So why don't we do this? What type of, what was it? It was just a a fun day playing with my buddy, Tim. Yep. Call that a practice round. Maybe. Okay. We'll call that a practice round. Weather playing conditions. So we want to know your perception of the external environment, because when you start looking at a bunch of your round reviews, or even if you're a coach like Tim, looking at multiple players in the platform, we could actually help you figure out later on as the wind severity increases, is there a relationship to score or is there a relationship to another variable like decision-making that changes? So a lot of the questions up front help us filter and segment and allow us to sort of pinpoint different pieces so that when we look at it later, mm-hmm. it can help tell a story of why things are happening. Tell a story of why, yeah, it tells you a story of why you, 
maybe not enjoy certain rounds and some rounds yeah, you enjoy. Yeah, for sure. You know, who did you play with? Maybe you played with somebody you don't like playing with, or maybe they're way better than you, or maybe they slowed you down, or maybe their routine is off-putting. I mean, all those can add up to an experience of a day that has nothing to do with your golf swing. But we tend to blame our golf swing for everything. That's that's what I really like about this product, and that's, again, when you talk about the raison d'etre of our show, is starting. we want to increase awareness so there's much more going on around this game than just uh i wasn't getting it in the slot this Mm -hmm. today or i'm i'm off plane certainly that that comes in into play but what this what your product does is really increases awareness of all those other things that i think are generally more uh, have more of an effect than your swing um like you talked about being really tired well you know what that's going to affect everything about your your game that day. If you're going in tired, you know your swing's not going to be on. And just like you said, and if you have that mindfulness, that awareness that you have to make up, you have to adjust for that, then that, that is fabulous. And that's where, again, you could talk specifically or broadly. What I like about this is it generally increases uh, awareness. A hundred percent. You know, the next category is focus and goal review questions. What was your playing focus today? Did you write your playing practice focus into the into the book before you started? But I like the idea. What is your playing focus? Like, what did you what did you want to do? What was your intention? And Tim always talks about this. Like, you know, why do you play? What was your intention that day? Yeah, and this question, and and I say this to people all the time, is that we use the word focus instead of goal. For me and for our company. The idea of a focus is more process oriented, yeah, and goal is more outcome oriented. And we we focus on our goals of breaking a certain number with our score. That's really not what the focus is. The focus is process, and and that's why we use that language. But it's about what was your focus for the day. My focus was to make sure that I picked a specific target before I you know mm-hmm. stepped into into my shot. That could be your, that could be an your, example. Your, of your, yeah, your or what we're working on. Timmy and I are working on me. You know, basically asking the question: What's the shot here? Like, what are you trying to do? Not just the target. What's the shot you want to hit? But I like the word. You know, it's funny. Words are so important, especially that dis, the what you just said. I read something this week about a marketing thing about radio audiences, and they said, "Stop calling your, stop calling the people who uh, you know, stop calling them listeners and start calling them prospects." When we when you deal with advertisers, I was like, oh, I like that. So when we started sending out, you know, things for my little radio show to potential advertisers, we start referring to their our audience as their prospects. It's like, oh, that's different than we'll give you this many listeners, we'll deliver this many prospects. It's framing, and, it's framing. and this this relates to golf in millions of ways, right? Hugely, exactly. hugely. And then you say, so did you achieve your playing focus today? So if your focus was, I'm going to, tr- I'm going to try on every shot to identify my target or my whatever, at least you know at the end of that day you can enter, I did that. If you missed your number that you had in your head, if you did have a, a goal of a certain score, well, at least now you're saying the process that I set out to achieve, I accomplished that. Or, or you didn't, but you're, you're actually being able to evaluate yourself on if it was completed So, Tim, or, or how would not. you do that? You'd basically look and go, okay, on every shot today, uh, there was a couple I didn't really walk through the whole thing. And then you score yourself accordingly, I guess. Yeah. Well, what uh, what I think Jay has done here is a, and, uh, achieved a nice balance between specificity, if you will, and generalness. So, there's, there's room for that. So, 
in this question, did you achieve your playing practice focus today? What I generally do, and I advise my clients, and I do this personally, is I set a, a focus for the day. I sometimes call it, I call it a process goal, but whatever. Yeah, but it had the word process in it, so I guess... We're cool. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm glad you guys Good. are cool. Wow. Exactly. Yeah. Glad some I passed the birdie. kind of stuff going down. <laughs> yeah, I didn't get a birdie calm slap or anything. But um, so one would be, uh, for me, last Saturday I was working on a focus of one point in my swing. I just wanted to have one point that I was focused on. Physical point, you mean? Yeah, I wanted to have an external focus. Basically, I wanted to just feel the grip in my head all the way through. And I scored myself on uh, on my scorecard and if i kept that focus point for every hole for every shot i would give myself a circle and if i didn't i wouldn't so that's my so that's very specific that way i come out of every round with a score of how i did around my focus that day and which is pretty cool and a great tip and and what i guess you guys do at birdiegolf.com or birdiegolf is to do that is to give that what t- tim just described a place to go and enter that yeah exactly. and then you could still look at your your pen and paper versions of this, but what we do is we make it a lot easier for you to benchmark how you've progressed against all the previous times you've done this activity. And moving on to the next category, process questions. And there's so many good ones. I can't, you know, I, I would totally recommend this because it's so much what we're talking about. Did you find your rhythm during warm-up on full shots? So there's a perfect example. I didn't. I was by myself sort of after I we had lunch and I sort of went down to the end of the range just to get warmed up. And, um... I just didn't. You know, I took, I did all my stretches. And I went through my routine. And by the time I got to my driver, I could just, you know, I, I hit some decent shots. But I just was like, okay, well, whatever this is, you know, you just got to. And, and the funny thing is I ended up playing pretty well. Um, but it's just I could tell during the warm-up. And the thing is, if you're not if you're not asking these questions, did you find your rhythm? Are you picking a clear target? You know, are you making a clear decision? You know, then you're sort of missing out and you're blaming things that have nothing to do with are you a good golfer or not? Totally. It's something you just need to do and and it helps you like the questions itself when you see them, they like we've talked about change your awareness and chances are the more you do this, the less you're going to find excuses. And Mm -hmm. and, but but that's great because you're buying into your own self-development in this game. Yeah, and what's really different here, too, is that in these questions, so the next one's find your rhythm during warm with your putter. Did you pick out a clear target in your warm? You know, all, that, all those types of things. None of, there's nothing here that says, did you find a swing key, mm-hmm. such as tuck in your right elbow or shift your weight or any of that yeah, stuff? Yeah, and, and it, it, it's, did, did you find a swing key that you thought of today that you've never tried before and you're about to tee off. Yeah, did, what came to you with, <laughs> no, your, I know. with your fifth seven iron from a perfect lie? Where you said, <laughs> oh, I remember this guy on the Golf Channel told me that if I do this. It's a yeah. great story. Casey tells a funny story. Our friend Sean Casey is a great golf teacher. But he tells a great story of talking to a guy about a pretty big swing th- change. Like, pretty big. And they're talking it through and, and then basically the guy says, okay, let me try it. Like, wait, wait a second. You think you're just because we explained that you're going to be able to do it now <laughs> like i'm just gonna all of a sudden know how to do this after it's gonna take thousands of repetitions but that's the way golfers operate it's, just, it's like putting on what i call the magic golf shirt i saw michael breed tell me how not to slice it so i'm going to the course today with breed's tip well, and or something my buddy told me or something i felt on the range that oh that so felt, i guess that felt i guess good. the theme from this is that everyone like everyone has a unique golf swing but 
on this stuff, it's pretty similar. Like yes. certain people may want to focus on different aspects of this, but it applies to every golfer. Again, this uh, this stuff comes down to. Um, this, this stuff comes down to building skills and fundamentals on the performance side yes. of golf. The same way you build skills uh, in terms of your address position, certain elements of, of, of posture, et cetera, in, in golf. So what I like about what you're doing through your process questions is your people are learning a lot of key things like um, you know, about hydrating, about not having their eyes going all over the place, um, say over a putt or something. But like things that. that you can control. Exactly. I, I, I was going to just, just jump in for a second. Those, all this process stuff, and I, I think Jay sort of led the. You know, this is the idea that yeah, your golf swing and, and conditions change daily, but this stuff. This is pretty universal, and it, and you don't need to be a great you know scratch golfer. Like qu- these are some great questions, by the way. When you missed your short game shots, were they left or right? Were they short or long? You know, if you look back on how you did that day with your short game, let's say, and all day long you were just short, your pitches, your chips. Well, what does that? Maybe there's a mental thing there. That you're just afraid of something, or but it, it's there's nothing there that says, well, if you were short all day, maybe you'll want to do this. Yeah, and it's just something to be aware of. And when you look at our analytics section later on, you can look for data that says when I was short. What? Let's compare that against my target selection. Maybe your target was short, and maybe you actually oh, hit yeah. the exact shot. You. I know. Really didn't really realize you were envisioning, but you actually executed the shot you were trying to do. It's funny you say that because I and I spend mm-hmm. a lot of time in my short game. And one of the things that sometimes will happen is I will look at the target that I where I want the ball to land and and as opposed to seeing the whole target, but I'll pick out a, a spot where I want to land it and then sometimes that's where the ball ends up. Yes. I'm like, "Why is it there?" Oh, that's where I was focused on. Because my body just did whatever it needed to do to get the ball stunt to stop there. And the body never does a stupid thing. So what is the thing that I guess I should look at the spot, but it's like where I want it to end up, where I want the ball to, I want to visualize a ball next to the hole versus visualizing it ending up in that spot. Well, that's right in one of his questions, isn't it? Did you see the ball rolling to your tar- to where you wanted it to finish? Yeah, I mean, did, a, did you basically see the ball in its final resting place? Exactly like, did you pick a it. did you yeah. pick a target no. see, below what, the cup? Yeah, with it, leave yourself an uphill putt. Like this is, let's say this is a shot from eighty six yards. You know what club you've got. You know what trajectory you're going to hit. How far it's going to roll out, spin or whatever. Where is this target? Where like where is the ball supposed to finish mm-hmm. so that you can have the next shot exactly where you want it to be from? A very good question. Why are you smiling? <laughs> laugh because. Um, in terms of visualization, where do I want the ball to end up? In the hole. Sure. <laughs> Every shot yeah. I hit, it's like if three would, I don't care from two, 240 or something. It's like, okay, go in the hole. <laughs> but realistically, when I got a three wood in my hand, I'm not thinking it's in the hole. I'm thinking, what's the shot here? Where do I want it to start? If yep, I yep. miss it, more importantly, I mean, again, maybe my I'm a different, little, little bit different level than a 15 handicapper, but I'm also thinking to myself, if I'm. It's like I was talking about this guy, John Dunlap, who uh, I mentioned a couple weeks ago. But, you know, for a good player, you want to, you want to, you want to, you know, play your miss because that's it. We miss almost all the shots we hit. And I'm thinking, okay, I'm, I know I can hit this five iron 190. I know I can. But if I miss it, it's not going anywhere near where I want it to finish. So I'll hit four iron. That's my point is that I, you're visualizing, and, and in your case, Jay, 
for those shots around the green, you're visualizing where that ball is going to end as opposed to that spot that I get stuck on. Yeah, well, I, again, I come back to just this helps create a beautiful database mm-hmm. that, that a golfer can can look at because I would say that the majority of golfers, even really good players who use um, you know shot-by-shot shot and different kinds of things, doesn't really provide a breakdown so that after a round you go, God, I was short on my, sh- on my short game shots, that, that type of thing. And uh, I may be wrong in that with shot-by-shot, shot, but anyways, no, but I'm just I, I saying shot-by-shot. Shot. It, it, it doesn't have that in there. It shows you um, okay. how many times you got up and down. Okay, so... What an excellent resource to have in terms of a database showing, wow, you know, when I hit wedges, how come I'm always short? Mm-hmm. That's great data to have. The emotion questions to finish here, Jay. My primary positive emotion was, my primary negative emotion was. And again, it's all uh, by way of looking back at the round, sort of when you're out of it in a way to kind of ex- assess it in a, an objective way. Yeah, for sure. And, and on the emotion stuff, I mean, if if there's a golfer that doesn't think golf includes emotions they're wrong it's it's performance is related to how we experience the emotions that we have which is the next question did your emotions help you refocus or did they act as a distractor for you and on what you know to what degree so it really like you know we we are going to have emotions there's ups and downs in this game and it's it's can we kind of be as even keel regardless of if it's a positive or a negative for information it's birdiegolf.com that takes you to the website it, and uh it's pretty it's pretty cool it's got uh all the analytics are there there's a uh, a laughably small amount of money being asked <laughs> by jay um maybe tell us what what does it cost for somebody to use this uh per month it uh it is a cost of Netflix I guess 9.99 per month for for an individual golfer it's uh you know it's it's your lunch at the turn for unlimited a month. and that 99 9.99 a month gets no. you it's 99 a month 9.99 a month oh 9.99 a month 10 gets, bucks gets 10 you bucks. unlimited round reviews all analytics golfer notifications what's that when you so when you hit certain milestones of using our product, whether it's entering your first round review or your 10th, we want to engage the user and actually have them enjoy using this product. So we want to give you some feedback and some, some props, basically. So nice. we'll give you some notifications nice. and stuff when you have accomplished various activities and tasks on, on the platform. And for you golf coaches that listen to us, uh, you know, mental performance coaches and, uh, you know, instructors, there's a coach's... Uh, price and that gives you unlimited players, all analytics, coach notifications, and any device. And uh, I'm, I'm going to tell you, just really getting into it today, it's a pretty cool thing. You certainly unique, certainly fills a gap in the marketplace. I would say. Yeah, I mean, there's really good mental game content out there, mm-hmm. and, and I use the word content really specifically because. I don't think there's any other products. Products being something that you enter information into, it creates insights for you, it's personal, and it helps you get better. And it, it's it's something that you can use and interact with. Um, in the mental game space, I think this is the first. Yeah. Um, that that And to that point is it actually complements all the great you know, material that is out there and all you know the sports psychologists and the performance coaches this works hand in hand with you it doesn't compete with you it's a so when product. you get huge and it's like the ipo and you're like multi-zillionaire 
Do you feel like there's a place for you to sponsor Canada's wonderful, most downloaded golf podcast hosted by me and Tim on the mental side of golf? That's no pressure, though. Seems, just, it seems like a great fit, yeah, don't you, you think? think? Yeah. <laughs> seems like a great Maybe. fit. Remember we, remember, we got you on before you were super famous. Well, yeah, but he got Twitter glory with Paige. Yeah, well, we, you know what? We'll give him some Twitter glory. Um, what else would you like to say about uh, birdiegolf.com before we move on to Tim's uh, mental coach's corner? Be- <laughs> before we move on, and I'm excited for that segment, mm-hmm. we'll, uh, we'll actually flip this over. There's a couple more questions on oh. nutrition and stuff. And this is, I know Tim, Tim likes this oh, part. Oh, this is great. I love, and and it's also about practice it. session questions. Yeah. So there's a couple sections there that we haven't talked about. Oh, this is great. Sorry. Go ahead. One of them being health and nutrition. So what time did you go to bed? How many hours did you sleep? What did you eat before, during the round? How much water uh, did you drink? How many sugary drinks? How many Red Bulls, I guess? Mm-hmm. How many coffees? And what we can do in the analytics is plot all of your rounds based on how many coffees you drank and look at your score or look at your visualization or look at your intensity level. Were you drinking tons of coffee and were you calm? Probably not. But we could tell you that. And this is this creates a conversation, especially now that we've just mentioned that this can be used with coaches. Coaches can basically commit and buy into this this data set. It's evidence of the, the performance between that their player has. So we're no longer hypothesizing. We're saying this is information input. The data source is you, the player. This is what happened. This is what it's telling us. And let's buy into this. And I think what you just said, too, and maybe Tim would agree or not, but it gives you a chance to ask the, to ask the right questions. I didn't have a good round today, but then I realized, man, I got no sleep. I didn't, wasn't very well hydrated. I drank a lot of coffee. And, and, and then you say, well, wait a second. There's a correlation between that and uh, how I played. Absolutely. Again, the, the, that piece of evidence, we talk about that word a lot here, and so you can look at it and you see what's going on rather than just, uh, you know, I didn't have my, I didn't swing well today mm-hmm. or, you know, the greens were bumpy or something like that. It's, it's really good data. And yeah, I just can't say much more about it than that, that it's uh, what I like about this section in the practice session, the health and nutrition, there's, these are very specific, but you balance it with the in the round review of the other sections there's enough general stuff there so that when you do your round review it's not going to take half hour it takes like maybe what six seven minutes yeah or so? it's less than 10 minutes yeah it, you can go through it relatively quickly and you can pull out the stuff that was relevant to you that day in terms of like you're not asking what your emotion was on every hole is generally what you, you don't use on. this product on the course and right. the way i describe it is that this product is is from 10,000 feet up rather yeah. than sh- like a shot by shot, which is a completely different kind of data set. But that has to be on the ground floor. It's every shot, every foot, every inch of, of, of your putt. Um, so so that's how we, we're a bit different. It's it's a lot more general in certain aspects. So it's, it's like a, that overview from, from the clouds. Yeah, I love the closing questions too. How much did you enjoy being on the course today? Today I did well. Today I did blank well. Next time out, I'm going to do something differently. It, it, like I said, it's a great conversation starter to have with your coach or to have with yourself that gives you at least some perspective on your game that has nothing to do. We say this all, nothing to do with your golf swing. Um, 
and that's where everyone goes. I was... Everyone goes there. How'd you play today? Oh man, I was I was I was cutting everything, or I hit three out of bounds. I couldn't get a putt to drop. I four. You know what I mean? That's how people talk about golf. When in actual fact, this is golf. BirdieGolf.com is is the game being played that gives you at least some idea that you know what. Like I said, I use myself as an example. I I knew from the th- you know the thousands of rounds I played, I can tell how I'm feeling because I'm tuned into it. But this gives you some some questions to really look at and go on the way home. And go, you know, I know what. Given all those things, I played pretty good today. Um, I yep. mean, in terms of my score, I played. Given that I was tired and I was up early and I had a bunch of stuff going, on, I played all right. I mean, you know, I'm guy. I certainly can't fault myself. I don't want to. I don't think I don't have a good golf swing anymore. Yeah, and I and I want people to understand that this. You don't have to be like some anal, over the top, overachiever to do this. It's really basic. You mean like me? <laughs> Those are issues we've dealt yes, with. I know. <laughs> you don't have to be an obsessive compulsive a hole. <laughs> um, no, but like I said, it takes less than ten minutes to do. You great get great information from, it. and it's not distracting on the course. There was another product I tried uh, years ago. And I just found it was distracting on the golf course. I didn't right. want to have to do it. And I even find that there's that, um, gosh, I might make an enemy with them, but what's that do it? That that product where you have like this thing on your hip or something and you have to click your... Yeah, yeah, I know the one you mean. You, you put you put the grip thing on the yeah. back. On each grip, you've got a thing and it's there's, sort of... There's two companies that do that. Game Golf yeah, is that's the one right. you're talking yeah. about. Well, I played with a guy last year and like... At least every three holes, he's got to go back to the where he was and click it because yeah. he forgot I mean, to I do it. Me, I got a buddy that's got it, and he, and he would go, "Oh, I got to do the putt now." And exactly to me, that would be distracting. I mean, it's a cool. By the way, it's cool technology. It is, but what I'm saying is that I think this strikes a nice balance between, as I say, some some general stuff that can really help you, and it's not distracting. Right, and I think most people. You know, if they were being honest, would be able to think back to any round of golf, certainly recent ones, and take your emotional temperature. Exactly. Using these questions. All right. Good job, Jay. Very nice. Do you have anything else you want to add before you listen to this uh, this little story I'm about to this relate coach's, to my, the first my boy edition Timmy? Of, first edition of Coach's Corner, or whatever it's called. Mental, what did I call it? Mental Coach's Corner. By the way, this might be the only time we ever do this. I just thought it was funny. Well, before we get a cease and desist from Don Cherry. I guess the, la- the last thing I can add, uh, aside from thanking you guys for having me and this yes. being a blast, is that... It's amazing. One here. of the, the, the sort of ways we're... <laughs> <laughs> looking to use this product a little bit differently is actually with tournaments and yes. having yeah. ter- the tournament players after they f- sign their scorecard at the scoring tent come and do a mental game evaluation. Amazing. And then we can almost index you against the field of the players that day that were out with you and do a relationship saying this person, maybe they won. They were they had the lowest score in strokes, but they also had the strongest A, B, and C. Mm-hmm. And the the... They were calm. They were they were process oriented. They had a very specific focus, and players who maybe were in the bottom half mm-hmm. from a strokes perspective can actually learn from all the players they've been around with that day by looking at the fe- the, the the emotional and mental analysis from the field. So that's that's where we're going with this, and we're we're starting with the pilot event next week with the uh, CJGA, which is nice. really exciting. Well, that that's so cool, and that speaks to that whole uh, golf digest issue. Looking into the future. 
just from from that example, we're going to learn so much stuff from collecting this type of data that's never been really, I don't think, really collected before, um, at, certainly in an online resource. So we're going to learn so much more about the game. And uh, you're going to help, pal, get the message out that um, thinking about yourself on the golf course and managing your emotions and all this kind of good stuff, this is... Uh, this is important stuff. I can't imagine there, I can't imagine there won't be a time in the very, you know, near to medium future that we won't be saying brought to you by TaylorMade Golf and Adidas and birdiegolf.com. There's there's got to be something there for God's sake. I'm doing a yeah. mental I think audio visualization thing and I'm hearing mm. it. I'm you hearing, should be because I'm, I'm going to this this is going to be I our mean, next podcast to be brought to you by birdiegolf.com. Well, hopefully this is part of growing the game, yes, right? Yes, we're growing together. That's it. We're growing well, we're growing together, but we're also growing golf. Okay. You know, it's well funny. Said. Um, you know, that people often ask what it's like to bomb on stage. For any stand-up comic that I've ever worked with. And you um, are one. Yes. Were one? I'm assuming most people can Google me. So I've been doing stand-up my whole life. And the thing is, why some people can stand uh, up in front of a crowd and make them laugh or not is because there's like a little switch and what happens is you often after I've, I've done it for a few, you know a few years and I've you know I've done it where you know you know it goes incredibly well but on the nights it goes incredibly bad you have to learn if it's your fault or if it's their fault and what I mean mm-hmm. by that is there are just some crowds that are horrible if everyone on the show that night if there's three or four of you and you all have mediocre to crappy sets you have to kind of know it's not you and you have to learn not to take it personally because hey everyone sucked the odd night you know you just don't vibe with the crowd or they're not you're into your thing and everyone did well and you didn't do well again you have to kind of go well this isn't my crowd like I would uh, sometimes I would work with guys that were super dirty like I swore in my act but I wasn't dirty so i would work with those guys and if they killed i was bound not to do very well my point about this is is just that sometimes you have to know if it's not you Mm -hmm. which is kind of what your technology and kind of what tim and i talk about on the show sometimes you can't blame your golf swing or yourself or think you don't know how to golf anymore and what i've and i thought about this analogy recently based on being you know you know aware the other day that i was kind of tired no matter what i shot that day it wasn't me it was just I happened to be in that state. Does that make sense? What I just said, by the way. It does. Well, it's because you seem confused. No, no, it is you. It is you. But what it is, there's other factors that come into other play. Outside, outside influences. Right. And I'm going to tell you, there's nothing more. They talk about it. It's a very naked feeling. Nothing more exposing than being in front of hundreds of people by yourself. And it's a very fragile place. Trust me. When they laugh, it's great. Like I did a, a job for a company uh, a month and a half ago, and I was I killed. But but it's also the op- the opportunity is there to shoot a million, right? You know. So you have to kind of know if the audience is good, and, and and that's great. If the audience is not good, then it's not you. I mean, I I had done my act a thousand times, so I'm on the nine hundred and eightieth time. Yeah, yeah. If it doesn't get a laugh in a certain spot, I go well, sorry. That's worked 979 times. This is kind of my point about golf is that sometimes you have to realize, well, you know, it was really windy. I wasn't feeling good. I didn't feel that well. And swing felt weird on the range. And and things like birdie golf and, and working with someone like Tim can kind of give you some perspective, I guess, is what I was trying to say by all of that. Yeah, absolutely. And there's times in which there's just other things going on in our life. Right. In, in our 
external world that we again we don't have control over uh, I had a, a, a client the other day who played around um, a young man and uh, he he wanted he he failed his G two driver's test. He missed a sign of some kind, and so he got so it meant an automatic failure. Mm. He went into his round that afternoon, and he just couldn't focus or whatnot. And then it finally occurred to him on the back nine, oh, I'm still processing not getting my G two, mm-hmm. and that has an effect on on our game, the, all the things that go on, and that's where that's why I liked when you were talking about um, getting ready for men's night at Glencairn on Wednesday, you were able to kind of take your mental and physical temperature and see where you were at and understand that that wasn't going to be a day that you were likely to go low with score or it or it could have been but I certainly was prepared that whatever day it turned out to be I was going to remind myself that I was pretty tired to start with excited wanted to really was our first night wanted to play with my buddies yeah I was more of a reminder like all right let's just you know let's take extra some extra clubs and let's be a little more conservative and see what happens and adapt so you so you knew that likely you wouldn't have your a game that day or maybe your b game so in making your decisions you can make decisions based on i'm likely gonna have my my b or c kind of ball flight today not not the a flight so i need to make um you know compensations for that and and that was my point about the stand-up thing is that sometimes you just have to be aware that it's not you and when you're young in the business, like I, when I first started out, like I would be like, I'd, I'd be devastated if I didn't have a great set. And then I'd go back to the hotel room and it wasn't, I'd be thinking about it until I got to do it the next night. But after doing it for a couple of years, you're kind of going, you know what? That was a horrible crowd. They were drunk. It's Friday night at midnight. Yep. Who cares? You have to be able to leave it behind. Anyway, so here's a, so what do you, would you rather have the, I, I want to do the masters for you because I like that feel. I, I, like, I do like it too. It right. makes me tear up, but I'll try welcome, and hold it together. Welcome to Mental Coaches Corner. <sighs> Along with the performance coach for Glen Abbey, he is an award-winning author, a father, and a husband, and a wonderful man who's in very good shape for 78 or 80, whatever he is. <laughs> I don't know. He is Tim O'Connor, mental performance coach to the stars. I'm your host, Humble Howard. Uh, and now, a, real, a slice from real life. I feel like having a pimento sandwich <laughs> and playing in the tournament. That's right. I'm going to play... Um, and now on the tee, Tim O'Connor uh, driving for, what's he always say? He goes, now driving. Now driving. Tim O'Connor. Um, <laughs> so we've been working on, Tim and I have been working on the last couple weeks, working on my short game. I spent a lot of time over the winter chipping and putting. and About 10,000 shots with 10, Stan, 000, right? 10,000 chips with my dog. So I took, we were out in the golf course, me and Tim last week, whatever. We were talking about, you know, uh, prop, what, would, what would be a good short game um Credo, uh, no routine, uh, routine process, Pro, more routine. Okay, and uh, I was basically committed to you know I'm gonna you know make my practice swings, assess the lie, do everything, and then before I hit it, I take a big deep breath and then commit to the fact that I'm just gonna let my body react to the shot. And uh, and that's been working. I mean, my my short game's been great the last couple of weeks and getting up and down out of nowhere. But on on men's night the other night. And I, and I know what you're thinking. I, after telling you how tired I was, you're probably thinking I shot a million. In actual fact, with like four or five holes ago, I was a couple over par. So I, I played okay. Yeah. The guy, I mean, one of the guys I played with, Gordon, shoots like 71. At one point, I'm playing with this guy. I don't know. He lost track of how many birdies he makes. Like, it's absurd. At one point, I'm like, he's got to be like, I said to my buddy Tim, I go, he's got to be like 400. He goes, oh, you know, Luke, who knows? 
But um, <laughs> I'm playing okay, and uh, I think I was three over at this point, and then I birdied like this 13, 12 or 13. Old. I mixed up because we start. We yeah, yeah, a shotgun yeah. start. Yeah. Get to a par five. Rip a drive. I got a couple hundred yards. I take a conservative line, and it was wa- it's a water in front of this hole. Part second shot, but I've only got like two twenty, so I go for the green, and I hit it exactly where I wanted to, but just a little bit long. And now I've got a really difficult shot. It's a near, it's a close pin. One of the closest short side of myself. Yeah, short side. I got a horrible lie, and but I'm now I'm thinking I just made a birdie the hole before, so now I'm thinking oh cool I've only got I'm now I'm two over, make a birdie here, get some momentum. These are all the things. I'm thinking, and I go and look at the lie, and I'm thinking, okay, you know, it's kind of sitting down a little bit, but I, you know, I'm gonna, I'm, and the, my point is, the shot I chose is what was the problem. It was all based on future and past, and not for that moment, because it was really a shot I shouldn't have tried. Even at my higher level of skill, it was a difficult shot. And what made it more difficult is I wanted to get it close and get up and down for birdie because I'd hit such a good drive and all these things. And in actual fact, I shouldn't have tried the shot I tried because I I did all, I went through our routine, but I kind of just, I fatted it and I didn't get it on the green. And now I'm almost standing in the bunker trying to chip this ball on. Oh, yeah. and, I, and then I got it on the green as 20 footer. I make a bogey. And then I looked back from, went to, as I was looking back to where I was, I was thinking, why did you do that? Because I had all the green to the right of this flag. I could have just bunked something on to the green easily, 15 or 20 feet, two-putted, there's par. So I tell you this because it wasn't, it had nothing to do with, could I do this shot as I shouldn't have tried it. Do you know what I'm saying? I do. Well, what was interesting is that in the build-up to your story, and you're telling you the shot, you're talking about having just made birdie, yep. and you're very conscious of your score. Yep. So right there, you're not in the moment. You're you're pro you're you're not process oriented. It's about the future, and that's what I said. I was I wasn't thinking about this, but because if you would take if we went out to that place I was right now, and you said, "What's the shot here? It ain't the one I tried." Right. With a great, with a good lie, it would. You know, I could, I had the skill uh, ability to to pull it off, but that lie made it ten out of ten tough. Mm-hmm. Like it was already a seven, but if the lie had been good, I could have maybe figured something out. But it was, it was. If you honestly, if we went and put a bunch of balls down there, I think I'd get two out of thirty where I wanted it to be, yeah. and a bunch wouldn't have. Listen, I was I was lucky not to hit it in the bunker. So you're you're right. I wasn't thinking about that moment. I was thinking about a bunch of other things. Yeah, and that I, had nothing to do with that shot. And I would guess too that your emotions are a little riled up, so you're not really in a clear place to make a solid decision. Um, a decision made on just rational, neutral place of what what's the what's the shot here, mm-hmm. as opposed to. Um, even in a subconscious way, trying to make a miracle shot so that you can so you can get your birdie. Yeah. So if you so if this was say uh, what hole was it? Um, it was the it was this whatever six twelfth hole of the round. Twelfth. Okay. So it wasn't the twelfth hole on the course. It was the twelfth hole of the round. Okay. But sometimes you have to make decisions based on where you are, say in a tournament, and and you know if if it's a, a time when you got to make a birdie, otherwise you're going to lose another one to the field, and you're five shots back. Sometimes you have to take those risks. But in this particular case, there wouldn't be any circumstance that you would be my caddy and say. 
Yeah, let's let's give let's get let's give getting this close a try. Yeah. It was really close to. The, I was on the same side as the flag. There was a bunker between me and the flag, and there was only about six feet or eight feet maximum between the edge of the green. And it was also downhill. There was nothing yeah, about yeah. it that I should have tried that shot. And I'm just telling you, I looked back and went, you know, okay, there's a perfect example. I'm going to bring, I knew I was going to bring it up on the show. There was a perfect example of, I could have just turned to the right about, I don't know, 10 feet. And I would never not get the ball on the green. Like never. Right. Like as bad as the lie was, I would, I could, I maybe a bad shot have been 35 feet, but I would have, I would have made five almost every time and making I was never going to make birdie. I don't know what I was yeah, thinking. Yeah, yeah. Like, it was hilarious. And I, and I was thinking, okay, I do this show. I work with Tim. I'm pretty well read about the mental game. But here was a perfect example of it had nothing to do with my ability to chip, putt, or do, just I just had talked myself into four was the number I wanted. You, you no doubt got yourself in, in kind of like an agitated emotional risky place and maybe you like being in that place but I'll be honest with you I wasn't agitated in the least I wasn't I, my process in meant my I wasn't uptight about it I just was I just was thinking incorrectly that's the wrong word I meant excited yes that's the word and that's for a lot of people who do what you do let's say like being on stage as a, as a comic I would say you'd have to be excited to be up there you'd have to be willing to take risks every once in yes. a while so but in golf sometimes that's not going to serve you but that's a base line of behavior that you have and that is going to serve you but it's also going to be a cost sometimes and that's where i think where we get into this is where something like birdie com can really help is understanding what are our emotions over the long mm-hmm. over the long haul because we're going to show up in similar ways in different circumstances you you show up this way in in golf but also in other parts of your life and and that's where we need awareness is under is taking our emotional temperature understanding where we're at in our body it'd be very interesting i could i could do this with you later but i could take you do a visualization with you back to that experience and i bet you i could get you to relive what was going on in your body and you're gonna go i'm gonna be laying on a couch lying, lying no 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 I can do it with you just sitting there, but that you would be in an uncomfortable place with your body, and that would be a clue, but you weren't, you had way too much going on in your mind to be able to be aware emotionally and what was going on with you physically. Yeah, and I, I'm, you know, here's the thing, when I, when I, I get like 215 on a par five, if I got like 215, 220 to the flag, and it's a back right pin, so I knew there was a risky pin to start with, so I made a... I made a great decision. I'm going to go conservative line, so I'm going to go front left of the green. If it cuts, I'm in the middle of the green. If it goes straight, which it did, I'm in no trouble at all. The only problem on this particular hole was going through the green where I did left me in a really bad spot. So as I walked up there, my thinking should have been, okay, this is like a 10 out of 10 degree of difficulty, even at my level. Where's Where's the smart shot? What's the shot here? Because mm-hmm. if we'd been there together, me, neither of us would have said the shot is try and li- lob it out of this sh- crap lie to a near pin off a downhill slope. Like I could, I could, I could still be there now and never get it up. Well, and here's down. my here's my coach's challenge to you. Yes, sir. Is in your next game, don't be doing all this analytical, intellectual stuff about where's the place to miss and all that. Just look 
And your mind and your body will decide what's the shot to hit. And you'll just go, oh, that's a three-wood. That's a cut three-wood to here. Without thinking of all that stuff, your body knows what's, what's, what to do if you're really listening well, to it. Well, in effect, I, I did listen to it. My, my body knew that trying to go for that flag from 220 was not the shot. Okay. So what, in a way, maybe what you're doing, because this is radio, that you're verbalizing what's going on. That's good. But, but it's also part of our routine. You've, you've asked me to say, yeah. what's the shot here? Right. So when I say to myself, what's the shot here? It's not trying to hit that flag from 220. But is it a, what I'm trying to get at here, do you, when you say, what's the shot here, do you see it versus think it? Well, both. I, I saw where I wanted the ball to end up. And I, you know, seriously, the funny thing is, if I'd hit just a little bit worse shot, I would have gotten up and down or made par. Because mm-hmm. if I'd have been just about eight feet shorter where I was, it'd have been perfect. But I actually hit it too good. Anyway, the point <laughs> of all this is that... <laughs> If you look to it's really more about where this chip shot was. And so I might, if I wasn't thinking about our process or our commitment to it, I might have thought, oh, you suck. Why can't you? You should have been able to get that up and down. But I, when I look back as I was leaving the green, I was like, what, what were you thinking? Like, that's, that's a mental breakdown. Nothing to do with you being a, a good player or a bad. Or you don't have that shot. I don't have, or I don't have that shot. It was, wow, if I had just come and walked over to where that flag was, I never would have gone for it. Yeah. Anyway. And that was the strength, and that's the strength of, of a really solid player uh, mentally. Like, Jack Nicklaus wouldn't, Jack, that's why Jack Nicklaus won so many tournaments. He didn't make mistakes like right. that. And and it goes back to you know whether it's Rotella or Cooper or Coop whatever his name Coop. or Mor- Morris, the idea of never attempting a shot that you can't hit. What does Morris say? If it's not eighty percent, eighty percent, I think something like that. Well, that wasn't an eighty. Out of, that was not an eight out of ten shot. That was like a one out of thirty-eight shot. Yeah. Anyway, thanks to our guest Jake Gilbert. Um, Oh, and, I, and there's the other part of the story. In the 17th hole, I, I blocked it right and made a triple and shot 77. But, you know, it was funny. I was so tired. It was like the second last hole. <laughs> I'm telling you, second last hole, I'm, I'm too over par from the round, but it was uphill into wind, and I was tired, and I was trying to hit a draw, and I blocked it off the planet. <laughs> I just laughed. Wah. No, I wasn't whining at all. I just no, this no, is, I, I laughed at it because I'm like, I just don't have the back right now to, exactly. to get this ball not to block right into the bush. <laughs> <laughs> so funny. Like, I literally, the second last full swing I made of the day was so far right. It was like, I didn't even bother. I'm like, I was putting down another ball before that <laughs> before one. Before it landed, yeah. Before it landed. It was ridiculous. But again, I laughed at it because I knew, I'm like, man, I was pretty tough. By that time, I was beat walking, going up hills. I'm but too old for but that. But you're playing with Gortner and some buds, your first men's Oh, night. my God. Did you have a blast? We laughed our freaking heads off. Well, that's, there you go. I know. And, and you other, won. Uh, yes. Other than Gortner, like none of us, I think I, you know, it was like a 76, 77, and 80 or something. But, uh, but yeah, I actually literally, when the ball left my club on the 17th hole, I'm like, no one's ever, no one will ever find that. <laughs> anyway, so uh, that's it for this week, kids. Make sure you subscribe. O'ConnorGolf.ca, HumbleAndFredRadio.com, and uh, follow us on Facebook. Uh, anything going on next week? Uh, we're doing this again? Yeah, 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 we're doing it next week. I have a couple interesting ideas for some people we could have. And Jay, did you have a good time? It was a blast. Thanks for having me. Okay, man. Great to have you. Probably going to be a lifelong sponsor of the show. It's, uh, there you go, episode 15. Make sure you write us some nice comments on uh, iTunes, and we'll see you maybe soon. I don't know. I'm tired now, too. <laughs>